Hi, hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Overkill podcast. My name is Kevin. And I'm Chris. We have a fantastic show prepared for you. On the topic list today, Chris. We have Sony announcing the PSVR 2 launch price uh, and date. And it's more expensive than a PS5. Um, you can also now pre-order the Aino 2. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And it looks to be the first kind of real alternative to the Steam Deck. And Call of Duty's return to Steam is the biggest ever. And we're going to talk about some other things as well. Welcome to the show. Before we start, I'd like to just tell people what this is all about. What can they expect with yeah. this show? So I'd say that starting, well, this week, every Tuesday in the evening, I'll, I think we will probably go for like 8 p.m., which is like 7, my 8 p.m., which is like yours, British, 7 p.m., which is like, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly, 11 a.m. Pacific time and 2 p.m., something like that. We will put it in the show notes yeah. so that you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the show will be about... Well, mostly video games, but I'd say that we will, as we also focus on overkill.wtf, focus on handhelds, AR, VR, and cloud streaming services, but we'll end up talking about gaming in general. Yeah, we kind of got that future of gaming umbrella, but we kind of talk about just everything beyond that as well. Yep. And I'd say let's start with the very first topic. Sony announced the PlayStation VR launch date and the price, and people are keep saying yeah. it's expensive. It is expensive. I mean, they announced it at, what was it, like 549? 549, right? 549, and I think it's like 599, uh, also basically 600 euros, 549.99 yeah. US dollars, and then 530 rounding UK British pounds. And yeah, it's, it's launching in February next year, so we've got a bit of a exactly. wait yet. February's 22nd. But it's, if you just like compare it, it's much more, exp much more expensive, but I think the cheapest... PlayStation 5 is like 399 for the dig digital version and it's 499 if I remember correctly. Uh, we should have looked that up before we were saying that. Uh, for the disc version, and so it ends up, the PlayStation VR 2 ends up being $50 more expensive than the actual console, which you need to be able to yeah. use this thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's a bit of a hard sell to like a casual consumer, for sure. Like, you know, people who just pick up like a PlayStation because they want to play Call of Duty and FIFA and they might see this as like a, a casual interest but then they see the price point and it's like I don't know but I guess you know that's not who they're going for at this point with this price point yeah have you have you had any experience with VR previously yeah um I, I've tried the, the, the PlayStation VR the original one um wasn't overly taken by it I just found it a bit cumbersome a bit clumsy um tried the oculus and stuff and various kind of like cut vr cardboard things like i think google oh, yeah, yeah. cardboard one years ago the google ones right and some, yeah and there's some samsung thing that i tried like some horror game in and noped out of immediately um <laughs> so yeah I've, I've tried a few of them and and i've enjoyed like them on like a you know there and then but never like oh i must go out and buy one immediately nothing's hooked me yet yeah, same for me. Like the, it's been a while since I've last tried VR. I think the last VR right. was basically the very first Oculus one. I don't remember if it's the Rift or if there was something before the Rift one. And right. back then it was, well, everything I tried was more like a tech demo. So it were like mm. some light games. Uh, was, there was the one, what is it, with the roller coaster that I tried, which oh, was yeah. disgusting. Uh, and uh, also back in the days, like the quality of the whole thing wasn't that great. So if you now at least mm. see how the technology advanced, especially with mm. the PSVR 2, it kind of makes sense why it's that expensive because it's still expensive yeah. tech. It's not yet mainstream tech. Like you said, you're 
that could say to yourself. Actually, uh, coming back to it, yeah, one of my first memories of VR was I was actually working at a university at the time, and they had like the, the first Oculus in as like research things, but they were doing fun experiments with them. And like you say, it's like tech demos and things. And one of them was um, you're in like a, a scene in like in like Tokyo. And you're on a, like a skyscraper and there's like a big plank of wood going out across the, off, off a building and there's a cat at the end of it. And you've got to walk across this plank of wood to pick the cat up at the end. And uh, yeah, that was a bit scary because if you're in VR and you've never done it before, you just have all these people trying it out and like, falling off this wooden beam, you know. And the university put like an actual wooden beam on the floor for people to walk along. So it kind of helped with the immersion. But yeah, that's random. Um, okay. Aside. <laughs> yeah, but um, to say, yeah. Um, I got a PlayStation 5 like recently. I, I know you don't have one. I got a PlayStation yeah. 5 recently. The main reason being the game that comes out technically when this publishes tomorrow, so God of War Ragnarok, uh, which reminds me, the PlayStation 4 I got for the first God of War, or like the first, the fourth right. God of War. But 2018. The first, yeah, exactly. And uh, same reason, I got a PlayStation just to get that game. And so I've been doing that again with, uh, with the PlayStation 5. And God of War's sec- your system seller, yeah? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, the second reason I got it is actually because of the PSVR 2, because I, okay. I think I'm now like in a, well, literally in a space because we moved last December. So in this apartment, it's big enough to be basically have VR because right. you need a bigger space to be able to move. Uh, at least it used to be like that. And also because like I am, re- I'm, I personally believe that the tech is now like at, at that point, at that point where it's about to be mainstream. And if someone in my eyes is able to do that for like a normal price, it's either Sony currently with the PSVR 2 or maybe if Valve brings uh, a cheaper index, that's <coughs> not like a thousand bucks to the market. That mm. might be the, so you're, re- you're ready yeah. to jump in. I'm um, ready to jump in. Exactly. So, so, you, so I assume you, you're trying to pre-order one then, whenever. I up. well, I think I have already put down lot the reservation for the reservation. So I just uh, <laughs> just said, hey, I'm interested. I want one, and uh, I think they go live on the fifteenth, uh, the reservation period, and right. uh, so in November, like in a few days, next next week, basically. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try my luck to get in early for to get one. Okay, so February. so is there one game that you want it for, or is it just kind of I just want to try it out and have it? There's no, um, is there a system seller for this, I guess, is my question. Well, there's no God of War yet, so <laughs> it's yeah. a bit difficult to say, but it's definitely, I think, one one I'm very looking forward to is the Horizon World, the Horizon, mm. I don't remember what it's even called. On the, the kind of cli- Is that the yeah, climbing thing? That's the climbing yeah. one with the electrical electronic robot dinosaurs and is it like call uh, of the mountain or call of like the mountain that might actually be maybe yeah i think so I uh we are vastly we are perfectly prepared and yeah. but there are a lot of games coming out one game i kind of want to try but i'm it's i it don't know yeah, yeah it's called uh, that i kind of want to try is the resident evil village one but i kind of hate horror games as well as i hate yeah. like i hate horror games horror movies everything horror i'm like a little yeah. child when it comes to this uh, yeah i'm with you but probably children are more uh, can watch this and I can't tolerate it. They will yeah. tolerate better than I do. But um, yeah, I kind of want to try just to like see what it's like, and then probably like play five minutes, shit my pants, yeah. and then yeah. never touch it again. I got the idea. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm I mean, scared. I, I it's do, okay. I, I do think the proposition it, it is tricky for them because I think you know, yes, it's expensive. I think the tech inside is it justifies the price, but the conversation isn't there yet for the kind of mass market appeal. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think it might be tricky. I don't know how it'll do, um, especially kind of with like the kind of 
and it's doom and gloom, but like the economic uncertainty, like, you know, everyone's yeah. like cost of living, cost of living crisis. And then, the, and Sony's like, here, here's another $500 thing. And it's like, I don't know, let me go get another job to pay for that, Ken. <laughs> it's like, um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. It also doesn't help that you actually need a PS5 to exactly, be able that, to that use makes, the thing. And that makes Facebook's help that you offering can't, a bit more compelling. Yeah, true. And it doesn't help that you can't find the damn console currently. I, uh, was lucky yeah. because I know someone who just works in retail and just basically told me, uh, I can reserve right. you one. And as soon as one comes in, you'll get that one. Uh, it still took me two months uh, pre-reservation now. Like I've got mine like three weeks ago, I think. So it's pretty late. They are currently starting to get actual inventory back, but it's all very, very early. And right. uh, yeah. And, and yeah. another thing with it, I just think like for the price of it, why is there no packing game? You know, like, like, um, what was the name of the one with the PS5? Uh, is it Astro's Playroom? Yeah, Astro's um, Playroom, yeah. yeah. It should be something like that packed in to kind of show off what you can do with this thing. The fact that they're charging 550 quid or whatever it is for it, and you don't get a game out of the box, I don't know. Yeah, you get the game, it's, 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 but for $50 yeah. more, so yeah. you basically get yeah. the Call of the Mountain package. But then just yeah. like, just do that from scratch. Just like, bring, the, yeah. just bring only this package. Have like a game where people can say, okay, I've just bought this. Well, actually, you can't even say you bought this for Christmas because it comes out two months later. Yeah. But that would be yeah, like... Yeah, you're going to get idea. an IOU for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you <laughs> yeah. get like a reservation. Look, this is what you got. Yeah. Um, another thing I was kind of thinking about this, and um, you know, like Sony do these these state of plays, kind of like their, their Nintendo yeah. Direct things. And quite often, I think they're a bit naff. I mean, I'm being negative on Sony here, admittedly. Um, why wasn't this a state of play? Like, you know, they could have announced that, the, you know, this is the release date. This is the um, price of it. And here's 11 new games you've never seen before that are coming to this, this platform. It just seems like a missed opportunity because that would have been an exciting state of play, right? Yeah, especially because I, when I did some research this, uh, this afternoon, there's something like there are like 40 games by now, like at least like announced, that sounds about right, title, yeah. title announced. And so there is a lot of stuff coming. coming mm. And the only thing that kind of scares me when it comes to Sony and releasing like non-PlayStations is like yeah. if this thing will have the same fate than the Vita. That where yeah. like everybody loves it. It's loved by the community, but Sony just doesn't do anything with it. That's kind of my overarching kind of thing on it. I think it will find its audience and it will be a niche audience and it won't kind of break out. Um, and there the, the will be that moment where there will be the, the must-have VR game that you know everyone flocks to. But I, I don't know if this is it. I mean... Virtual reality, virtual reality day is kind of yet to come. I don't think. I don't yeah. know if Sony's moves here are enough to kind of move the needle, you know. But then again, if you just look at the overall market and the overall industry, everybody is kind of pushing into VR, mm. AR experiences. You have on the one side yeah. you have Meta, which is just like trying very hard to get people to be interested in VR, which is yep. up to a point where you're like, okay, calm down a little. Uh, yep. And on the other hand, you have Apple being rumored to at least bring something. And now yeah. the question is, can they like do the thing that they I, did with the iPhone? Yeah, I think Apple's approach is not going to be gaming-led for at least like another five years before they get into that space. I think it's going to open with a very different approach and that's, who knows? Yeah, also Apple doesn't get gaming, but that's like a whole different topic. Yeah. That's like a whole podcast. Yeah, it is. And I mean... <laughs> They're very good at having platform. You know, the iPhone is like a massive gaming platform, but it's just no one thinks of it as one. So, yeah, the thing is, so just to open up, I got this thing today. 
and which is like right. the backbone controller for the iPhone. And uh, the thing is great, but I've been right. looking for stupid controller games that I can play on the iPhone to actually try it. And it's actually hard. It's not that easy. There are like a few games that they right. kind of like push into your face and saying, hey, uh, these are controller support. And one of them is Apex yes. Legends. I tried it. It does not work with the controller. Uh, right. Googled it. When it came out, they said it's not in there yet. They will bring controller support. And like, okay, why do you push uh, this in the App Store? Ha- in have, you, have you got Apple Arcade? I do not have Apple Arcade anymore. Okay. Just because that, that's another thing that like in Apple Arcade, there is like a section of works great with controllers, but yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's just a bit more, more of them there, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that, but the only problem with Apple Arcade, and now we are doing like a big parenthesis, is like Apple Arcade is basically just old games that they re-release and just un- unlock all the in-app purchases. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on Apple Arcade for a while now. And when it started out, they actually had like some really good original titles and like stuff that was on console as well, which, you know, were proper meaty games that you could actually, you know, sink your teeth into. And then, like you say, like 12, 18 months into the kind of Apple Arcade project, they just seem to bring back a load of like, uh, apps from like, I don't know, 2010 that you remember fondly, stick a plus on it and say, play this again. But it's like, yeah, the model's yeah. changed. It doesn't really work. So I don't know. Yeah. And I feel also that uh, when they bring a game, which is interesting, that's like Dead Cells. Dead Cells exists, which is a fantastic indie game, which is basically on everything. It's on iPhone. Mm-hmm. And there are like a lot of games where I'd say, these would completely make sense. Just bring them to iPhone. But the problem here is that if I remember correctly, and uh, I might be misquoting, but I think one of Apple's guidelines when you bring a game to the App Store is they say you don't have to, you don't need to have a controller to be able to play this, which just makes it much more cumbersome for developers. To yeah, bring. yeah. When it's got to be a universal app and you've got to play it on your Apple TV with that swipey remote, it's like, okay, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And uh, so I still believe that the iPhone could be like a good gaming platform if Apple would just not stop being like that. Like, yeah, no, like that. Same with yeah, what they do. Obviously, with... there's, there's, no, there's no culture of it, is there? There's no kind of drive for it. They kind of, no, it's just like an add-on. Yeah. It's an afterthought. Um, I mean, they've, they've done an okay job at it as an afterthought, but still, it's, you can tell. Yeah. it's like with google stadia you could tell it wasn't their main drive or main focus so it just you know even though gamers can smell bullshit man yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh the only thing that i kind of hope and uh we wrote i think one of well i don't know who basically just the two of us because there's nobody else writing for overkill right now but uh one of us wrote about the article about the thing that microsoft wants to bring a gaming store to the iphone which i believe is something that i find intriguing then on the other hand it's the old do we want the iphone to open up to a third-party store tim sweeney would yeah. be very very happy epic games zero and yeah <laughs> and uh i well to be seen what happens to apple and uh, in general yeah, it feels like they're trying to get in front of it with this whole kind of App Store stuff and the whole Epic Games thing. And then Microsoft wanted to do the same with, with Xbox Game Cloud and you know Microsoft's workaround was a web app. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think eventually it's going to... Which gonna this thing, finish. however, works with. This works with the oh, web right. app, which is a sign how great the web app is. Yeah, it, it is a really solid web app. I, yeah. I use it a ton on my, on my iPad to play stuff when I'm away from the TV. And it is impressive. Um, so it's nice that they could make it work, but obviously it's not the initial vision they had for it. So we shall see. 
Apple's stubborn on these things. Which gives me a perfect segue to our next topic, because one thing where you also can play, and I have to unplug it, where you can also play the Xbox Cloud Gaming is on this thing, and there has been a new one, not a new Steam Deck, but a new competitor coming to the market, which, going by the first hands-on and... Well, they, I, you can't call them reviews because it's too early, but the first hands-on, people say that mm -hmm. might actually be the very first real competitor, and it's the AI Neo 2 by right. AI Neo. Right. And there's also a second one, the AI Neo Geek. And if you look at the market in general, we have the AI Neo 2, which has its uh, Indiegogo campaign. I think it reached 1 million euro or dollars in income okay. and over 1,000 people that backed it. So it's clearly a success. We have the GPD Win 4, which mm -hmm. looks kind of like a mix of a PSP and a PSP Go and the Vita. Right. I will put links on the show notes to show it to you. It's basically the one device I am looking for the most simply because the PSP has so much like emotional value to me. Right. And, okay. uh, so <laughs> this is another one. And then there are also like other brands that you have Ain. Ain is a brand that does the Ain Odin. There's the Ain Loki, which God of War again. Uh, and that's more like an Android device, while the AI Neo 2 and the AI Neo Geek, as well as the GPD Win 4 are Microsoft, also Windows 11 devices, but there will be with time also Linux based systems. And everybody's doing a handheld right now. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, you know, five years on, everyone's caught up with the idea of, oh yeah, Nintendo are on something. We should copy it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that. I feel like uh, we have with uh, Logitech is coming out with something. Razer is coming out with something which is not really a handheld, but more like a tablet, a small tablet right. uh, that you just stick into one of these things, just like the official Razer one. And I feel like we will see many more companies that actually will try to get down this path also because I think I feel like this it's probably a mix of the Switch and the Steam Deck opening it up opening it up the floodgates basically the Switch bringing it out saying hey this is a, a form factor people are interested in and then the Steam Deck coming and saying hey this is also a platform that you can bring full-fledged PC games yeah. to if you do a little black magic which I often feel when I use this thing. Mm. Yeah, I don't know much about these um, A&Neo ones, but it does seem that there's like, so you kind of spoil for choice at the minute. So, um, and you know, they've, they've done okay in terms of their initial Indiegogo stuff, so. And this at being two times, 2.5 times more expensive than the Steam Deck, they start at like 9.99 around that price shelf yeah, for like the A&Neo 2. Yeah, but it's kind of, How would, what would I say? It's kind of comparable. It's not like really an alternative, I feel. It's more like an upgrade choice because mm. just from like early reviews and I'm basing myself on also some discussion that I had with Kerry Golomb. I hope I don't, didn't miss up that. The Fox on YouTube. Uh, some discussions I had with him where he basically said like, if you go to the lower TDP settings and TDB settings is basically just like the wattage, like the power throughput. If you go to lower settings, the Steam Deck wins. So at the lower settings, uh, lower battery usage, lower power usage, mm. the Steam Deck performs better than these new devices yeah. that still use an AMD chip design. But uh, if you go to higher settings, Yeah, uh, you the 
the AI Neo ones and probably also the GPD Win 4 and whatever else comes out with this because they all, by the way, the GPD Win 4 and the AI Neo 2 and the AI Neo Geek all share the same chip, which is the 6800U by AMD. So every one of these handhelds performs better at higher battery user, higher power usage, so higher settings yeah. to make it very simple. And uh, so it's more like an upgrade pick, but... <laughs> yeah, the battery won't last as long, but you can get more out of it sort of thing. Exactly. You can have like basically just, they can deliver higher frame rates and better graphic settings compared to like mm. the Steam Deck. Though what the Steam Deck does, it's like at... Four hundred dollars. It's like the starting price. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they must be taking a loss on that, right? Uh, that's like the one thing where Valve has been saying, "Yeah, it hurts." So the Gabe Newell okay. in an interview, I think, to IGN, uh, said like right. it hurts to reach that price. So I guess they would right. probably take a loss on that. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, they can just get it back because if you buy a game on Steam, they get like thirty yeah. percent. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, Hurts, but not too fun. much, probably. And we did yeah. our uh, we did our survey for like the Steam the State of Steam Deck survey, and we had a, like yeah. a lot of people that said we bought a lot of games on the Steam mm. Deck, and uh, with one yeah, it definitely with, encourages it. Yeah, yeah. With few people even say they bought like five hundred games, but I kind of feel they misunderstood the question. Yeah, it's like you haven't bought them since you got the Steam Deck. Mm. It's just, yeah, what's your exactly. Steam library size, sort of thing. Yeah. So in terms of the library for these these alternative handhelds, like. They can't all like access Steam, can they? So what's they do access Steam because they run the Windows Eleven. Oh, really? So what they all oh, so at least wait. That it depends. <laughs> it depends. Right, Asterix. Uh, like the yeah. AI Neo one, the GPD one, they do. But before I also mentioned the Ain Loki and the Ain Odin. But the Ain Loki, I'm not sure. But the Ain Odin runs Android, so that cannot right. access Steam directly. Only by like streaming from another device. Okay. What, however, the AI Neo ones can do, which the Steam Deck can't, at least not without tinkering with it, is they can play Xbox Game Pass games because they run Windows yeah. 10. That was 11. my next question. Yeah. yeah. So this is like one thing where you can basically say, maybe you save money by just using nothing but Game Pass on these things. Yeah. Well, that's kind of my approach to these things yeah you know i've only got in terms of handheld stuff i've only got a switch and i've primarily been a switch game of like that's the only game i've done for the past like five years like a year ago i bought an xbox series which one's the cheat one s um because i wanted to play halo and that was basically it that was my system seller i guess um but having since got that and tried game pass all i want is game pass on this thing and i haven't got that so yeah, having a console that could do that would be really, really appealing, which is why the Logitech G Cloud, like, you know, I was interested in that, but the price point and its kind of limited capabilities just kind of sucked any enthusiasm I had for that out of the room, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I'm, so to give a teaser for our readers and listeners, I am, so we are all probably currently preparing YouTube videos, so like a YouTube script, and one script that I'm currently doing is basically comparing the iPhone to the Steam Deck. And it's, I'm not going to spoil it because you're supposed to watch our YouTube videos. But one thing that I've realized while writing the script and doing my research is that like, why get something like a G Cloud when you have Mm. a phone, which can also access a browser and all you need is then something like this. So you just get that. You can. I think a lot of it comes down to context switching, you know, like 
I've got an iPad mini and a 8-bit Do controller, and I often will sit and, you know, hook this thing up to the controller and play Xbox on this um, because I want to just do it in bed or whatever and chill out. But I've got to then, like, prop this thing up and, like, get the controller, Bluetooth, and connect it, and then sit down. Whereas I can just grab this thing and play it straight away, you know? It's that friction, I think, is what makes these things appealing. Um, So although you can get your phone and strap it into that backbone thing, like, it's just that friction. And and I know it's, like, complete first-world problem, and it's, like, tiny little thing that we're talking about here, but it is those sort of things that kind of modify people's decision-making, I guess. And one thing that is also, like, speaking for... Uh, the G Cloud and probably also the Razer Edge, which is like the mm. Razer one, the, the tablet one, which they yeah. can't really name is that these things run Android. So basically you can just install emulators on them. And uh, yeah. from early tests, at least on the G Cloud, they run, I think, up to well. GameCube uh, console-wise, mm. which is like a hard one to emulate. And so, yeah. yeah, but they can't like say, hey, uh, we brought this cloud device which also runs emulators, just go download them. Uh, Nintendo, please yeah. don't hate us. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like this is also one thing that you can do on these that is like not as easy, at least on an iPhone, because on iPhone you have to do all this little dance with uh, site loading apps. and uh, Yeah, it's messy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is like one thing that these handhelds, at least the Android ones, can do. Mm. But yeah, it's got going for them. to answer your initial question, they can't uh, run Steam, at least not natively. It's just like no. streaming via Steam Link, I think is the service called. Right. Yeah. Talking of Steam, Call of Duty is back on Steam. And they made a lot sure of money. is. They sure did. Um, in fact, I, I've just updated this story today because um, initially when we when we wrote the story, it was, you know, this record-breaking return, uh, not just to Steam, but in general, the game's done really, really well. And I think it made like something like $800 million in, in three days or whatever like that. And Activision today have kind of updated it and said that, you know, it's made a billion dollars now in the first 10 days since launch. So pretty big Call of Duty launch here. I mean, the last time the series made that sort of money was Black Ops two i think it was in 2012 and it took 15 days to to hit that milestone of a billion dollars so yeah a pretty huge entertainment launch for for activision with this one do they say what the split is between where so what console platform nah. the most yeah i thought about that no that would be interesting to kind of get some insight into how the kind of sony versus microsoft thing plays out yeah exactly sure. that's why i asked <laughs> yeah yeah okay. to know uh, yeah to know is it actually so the whole Activision Blizzard discussion where you have like Sony on the one side going to cry in front of the European yeah. Union and uh, now also the what's it called the CMA? Yeah, the uh, I want to say Contents Market Authority. That's wrong. So <laughs> I'm, yeah, I know. Yeah, the UK's thing. Yeah, yeah. the UK's thing. <laughs> uh, and then on the other side, you have like Xbox or like Microsoft. They just keep saying, no, we will not remove them from Sony, at least not that they're And I believe them. Yeah, yeah. same. And I mean, Phil, Phil Spencer said they're going to treat it the same way they treat Minecraft, and it's just going to be everywhere. Uh, Minecraft is on everything. Mm-hmm. Minecraft is on everything. So, yeah. But um, I have to admit... I, I, don't, I don't know if that was their original position, but that's the one they've adopted now, and I believe that. So Yeah, also because otherwise yeah. they will probably won't be able to buy Activision mm-hmm. if they kept just saying, oh yeah, just two years, then it's, the deal is over. Yeah. Uh, but I have to admit, now that you say Black Ops 2, I think Black Ops 1 is the only 
Call of Duty I've ever played. And I've only played right. like the, the story mode. What about okay. you? Um, I played a few of them back on the Xbox 360. Call of Duty 4 on Warfare, is it? Yeah, the first Modern Warfare, I think. I played a ton of that online. Um, but I've no kind of affinity for it now. I've, I've you know, I think it was Modern Warfare 2, actually, the original one. Back this is this is the thing with that division's naming here. Uh, this is Modern Warfare 2. Um, Roman 2. Roman 2. Yeah. And the, yeah, I'm sorry. I've got to remember there's, there's not just video, it's audio as well. I'm here holding my fingers up for those <laughs> listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, Roman numerals for this this new one that has come out. But the original Modern Warfare 2 used the number 2. So weird naming conventions. They're not, it's not a remake. It's just a stupid name. Um, but yeah, I played a lot of the Modern Warfare 2 um, as well. So yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed these in the past, but I've just I've kind of grown out of them, I guess. I don't know. I don't really care for them anymore. Yeah, the thing is, I've always been like, um, at least like on the big multiplayer FPS games, I'm always, I was always more like Team Battlefield until like the latest Battlefield, right. which I bought like 2142, I think is the name, 2142, yes. which I bought, which was not good. The start was, the, the launch no. of this game was just like a disaster. And it kind of, I also skipped like the second World War uh, one because being from Europe, you have yeah. a lot of Second World War history and whatever, everywhere. Yeah. And it's just like, at, at least for me, it's, I mean, still an important subject, but it's like, I don't yep. want to play the game now. I've had it in school, no. like for yeah, exactly. basically 15 years, not really, but yeah. yeah. And uh, so the only Call of Duty I played was the first Black Ops, though people kept telling me that this one has a fantastic story. And at least from some screenshots, it looks like Amsterdam where you're like, is that even... Yes. Rendered? Is yes, that like a picture? That. Is that like... I know. I've seen those clips going, doing the rounds on Twitter of people just showing off Amsterdam in the game and it does look insane. Yeah. and But the only problem is like, it, since I'm not interested in the multiplayer aspect of the game, but more like a story mm. aspect, I think the story is like, I think people told me like 10 hours long, but might be wrong or they might have just right. been 10 hours in. I'm not like, okay, paying like 70 quid for... Yeah, true a game for only to play. I'm not like, okay paying 70 quid for any game. <laughs> yeah, that's like the, uh, the other mean, thing. That's like a new yeah. trend, it feels like. But this is me just being cheap. I mean, I get most of my little Nintendo games for £35. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was um, Modern Warfare 2. It was the no Russian campaign where you have to like shoot at people in an airport. That was the point where I kind of noped out. I was like, I don't want that. that I'm done. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, but yeah, um, really, really huge because I know it's taken like a billion dollars. There's no split of kind of which platforms it's done well on. But um, one of the details is that obviously it's been away from Steam for, I want to say, two, maybe three years. So its return to Steam was a big deal. And in its opening weekend, there was like over four of a million people playing it on Steam. So people have warmly kind of been you know, wanting to play it on that, on that kind of platform as opposed to just the Epic Game Store, I guess. But if we do some basic math, if they made one billion mm. in like revenue, probably not profit, right? What did it say? Uh, um, I think they just said like it, it, was, it was weirdly has worded, generated was, over one billion. Okay, let's just say that's like pure revenue and not profit, and we divided yeah. that by seventy, which is like the price of the game. They sold mm. nearly fifteen million copies of this game. Yeah. Okay. Quick maths. Like yeah. it. Yes, I have like a little calculator open on my... I did not calculate in my head, yeah. sorry. Which just to me, shows that gaming is huge. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, this is kind of comes back to my original point about the VR two and kind of you know them having that kind of casual market and it's struggling to reach them. These are the people who buy a PS five just because they want to play Call of Duty and FIFA and that's it. That's all they buy on their console. And I think there are hundreds, thousands of people like that. So, yeah, that's those, like these, that's what we call the casuals. That's what we call the casuals are uh, just like a. Yeah, like you said, Black Ops, FIFA, maybe like another sports mm -hmm. game. Maybe FIFA in Europe, more like Madden. Uh, yeah, exactly. The Madden States. in the US. And so, maybe Just Dance for Christmas. <laughs> because there's like Just Dance 2. I mean, the world will end and there will still be a Just Dance out for yeah, the Switch. On the way. Yeah, on the way. I think that was the last, wasn't that like one of the last games that came out from a big publisher was like Just yeah, Dance. Yeah, I think so. Something, something. Yeah. But to get back to a point that I talked briefly, $70 seems to be like the new price point for, mm. for games. Call yeah. of Duty is that expensive. Ragnarok will be that expensive. And right. these prices hit before like the whole inflation thing. So you can't put that at least on inflation. Yeah. And no. I feel like, and that puts us basically, does a little loop back to the PSVR 2. Gaming to me currently really feels like a luxury more and more. Yeah, it's an expensive hobby, and it, that's kind of why um, for many the you know the, the, the allure of Game Pass. You know, when you compare the, what Game Pass is offering versus Sony saying here's God of War for seventy dollars, where you can play what the alternative of that would have been on the Xbox for nothing, essentially. You know, your, yeah. your monthly sub. Then it, it's night and day contrast in terms of who the appeals for. So. And also, Xbox to this day feels like stealing. I don't know how yeah. Phil Spencer can, I think it was Phil Spencer, can say in an interview like it's profitable for them when I'm like, that doesn't make yeah. sense. How? I basically pay how? nothing for the for the service and yeah. have like all I these games. I don't understand how the, the economics of it works, but it's fascinating for sure. Yeah, especially because like this month, uh, just this month we had like Persona 5 Royale We had the mm. new Plague Tale and we had like a whole bunch of indie games that basically all just came out and they started immediately on Game Pass where mm. I am like, where I'm sitting here with my Steam Deck and I'm like asking, okay, uh, my Steam Deck runs SteamOS, so no Windows on that. And I'm like, do I want to buy these games again for That's the Steam happens, Deck, man. even though I have like the PC running there and I can just like stream Well, that's what happened over. with me and, and this thing, the amount of indie games that I used to buy here. Now I'm like, it's going to be on Game Pass, so I don't need to play it on the Switch. You know? uh, that I had um, the exact same thing, but differently. Um, I bought them on Steam instead because now with the Steam Deck, yeah. the Steam Deck feels like... So I'm, I've always been really, really big into indie games, like more into indie mm. games than AAA games. Yeah. PS Vita, PSP, more like sure. PS Vita because PSP had less of them. Uh, indie games. Nintendo Switch, I have like so many games and it's just basically all indie games I got through the shop. Steam Deck, yeah. uh, Steam, I have, I think I have like 700 games on Steam. Okay. And obviously they are, okay, a lot of them are from bottles where I get like 15 games for like 5 sure. euros or 10 euros. And yeah. it's just like, I only basically just play indie games on, on the Steam Deck. And so when I see like the overall Steam Deck community, which we are part yeah. of, uh, being all excited for like an Uncharted and uh, like the new yeah. Spider-Man coming out, I'm like, Let me give me more indie games. I want my indie yeah. games. And then in the end, yeah. like the indie games, you don't need like these super, at least not for all indie games. You don't need, need like a, a lot of power to be able to play these games. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's cool that the Steam Deck can do that, but I'm playing Binding of Isaac 
since 400 hours. So, uh, <laughs> and, for, and for me, it just kind of comes back to the, the makeup of like, you know, you're talking about $70 games and what you expect from that. Um, but the, the opposite is kind of the thing with the indie games is like, I can spend $5 on a game or $10 on a game or whatever it may be. And the fact that it's four hours or six hours is actually an appealing thing to me because, you know, I've got a job and a kid and like, I've got, you know, my, my time for gaming is like whoop, compared to what yeah. it used to be. So if I can actually complete a game, that's, that's a great thing for me. I mean, I, you do one of these threads on Twitter where you say, oh, here's all the games I've completed this year. And I look at people who've like at this time of year, like in November now, who are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm up to game 56 or whatever that I've completed this year. And I'm on game like seven, <laughs> you know, I've, I've hardly completed anything this year. Um, but that's just, yeah. I don't, Indie games are great for the short playtime. I, yeah, I don't even know how many games I've finished this year. If I, right. I don't think I've finished a lot of them. I finished like no. two on the PlayStation 5 just because I got the PlayStation 5 and got like basically sure. the, the PlayStation Game Pass, PS Now Plus Premium Gold, whole other kind of ones. Yeah. Platinum, something like that. And yeah. uh, so I finished Stray and Ghost of Tsushima. And... I can't remember, but, but can't can't remember what else I finished, and yeah, so that's like the one thing you have on the one hand this AAA games that make gaming very expensive and like a very mm. very expensive hobby and a luxury basically, and then on the other yeah. hand you have like these five euro indie games or whatever like take Stardew Valley. There are people that play Star mm. that that just stream Stardew Valley all day long, and it's basically yeah. just they make their living on Stardew Valley, and which is yeah. like what fifteen euro game, and yeah. people find so much content. So it is an expensive luxury on the one hand, but if you go a bit outside of the realm of what we would probably call mainstream casual, there's so much, and then all of a sudden it becomes inexpensive, except for the yeah. initial cost that is the hardware. And I mean, Sony's playing a different game. You know, they're seventy dollar things. That they're the Hollywood blockbusters of the summer. That's kind of how they're seen, aren't they? You know, they're the big, big, big tentpole releases that you must go see. Sort of thing is kind of how they're treated. So. Yeah, playing a different game, and that's fine. There's space for everybody. Exactly. Also, talking of one game, I will definitely finish is God of War Ragnarok, where I will. Uh, I just told everybody in the household right now, so I have like family visiting and I already told them, right. I will not talk to you for the next three days. <laughs> I will not sleep for the next three days. Bye. I will play this game. <laughs> this is the last time we talk, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I will play this game and, when I'm, and I want to be done by like the end of the week because next week right. I have, okay. I'm, I'm currently on vacation, so that helps a lot. And right. um, next week I'm back in the office. So uh, we'll be. So what you're saying is you've taken vacation off for this game, yeah? Uh, that was a coincidence because the thing is, sure. I, that's the thing I've been to, I've been asked that before, but I don't remember. I think the game was delayed. I think right. I remember the game was delayed. Oh, so I, it just lined up nicely. Right? Yeah. And I have to take like my vacation early in the year. So I've basically like booked the whole year and I think mm. that was pure coincidence, but I'm not sure if I didn't like yeah. say, Hey, there's like something I want vacation for that period because something happens there i mean well, I, I took time off for it was, was it halo 3 i definitely wanted time off for that i think that's this is the first time that i could say time off that's probably just me not going to uni or saying whenever that was oh yeah that was what i was doing at the time Maybe. yeah I don't know. that's a whole other thing that was skyrim <laughs> for me when skyrim came out right so i was uh i was in, in germany still studying in cologne and skyrim right. came out we 
uh, my roommate and myself, we both had like Xbox 366 and we got the game like one day early because basically, right. and I'm, by the way, I'm trying this currently, I'm calling shops asking, do you have the game already? Uh, one day early because like the, in the evening, like the, the shop just put the games on there to prepare for the next morning when it was the official release. And so we were like, right. Do you happen to have the game? And they were like, "Yes, we have it." Oh, okay, and then we just like we we didn't have a car. We lived like thirty five minutes by uh, public transport outside of the city or like outside yeah. of the city center. And so we we just rushed because we had like an hour to get there by the game, and then like before they closed, so we rushed there. And that's like that was me, uh, or basically my my roommate too, because it was at the same university. What That was like us three days not going to university, just playing mm-hmm. Skyrim f- for like hours of, we just like Yeah, I wish I took some time gaming. off work for Breath of the Wild because that, that was another one of those games where you just like lost. Yeah, could have spent, just disappeared for like a weekend into that game. So yeah. And that's still not be done with the, with the whole game. That's like my one fear of uh, Ragnarok that like I will play 70 hours and then there's still content. And I'm like, okay, but... Right. Okay. I need but to I sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, we have more news though. Uh, and I don't know how to put a segue, so we'll just do a hot cut. AMD. Wow, we can talk about stuff being expensive. <laughs> AMD announced their new high-end GPUs, their high new graphic cards. And unlike NVIDIA's 4090, which is like at 1,600 euros and basically burns down your house. This one is at <laughs> 1,000 or 900 dollars. And right. I think from that haven't been yet like comparisons to say, okay, this is better or not as good, but it's much less expensive. And considering that everything is becoming way more expensive, like we keep talking it used about. It to be a theme. I think <laughs> we have our title yeah. for the show, Everything is Expensive. Yeah. Um, Wait, let me write that down. <laughs> and uh, considering that everything becomes expensive and the 4090 just like needing a lot of energy, like a lot of mm-hmm. electricity to... Well, that's another, another wrinkle, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Energy prices. <laughs> exactly. And I wonder yeah. if this might be finally AMD's way to get big back. Mm. I don't know if back is a good word, but to get like... Just kind of... Get back in the good books of exactly. people, I guess. And, and like, should NVIDIA be wor- worried? Is that early? Well, I mean, compared to the prices of NVIDIA stuff, I guess AMD are being competitive, right? Yeah. yeah also, what one thing that NVIDIA is, what that NVIDIA hasn't, that AMD has, like the AM, AMD is basically the company giving the chips to ANEO, which we mentioned before, mm. GPD, etc., the Steam Deck. It's also an AMD chip. Mm. I think the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox are also using AMD chips. I think the only right. mainstream device which uses an NVIDIA chip is the one you're about to show for people on that watch us on YouTube. Then there's yeah, Switch. The, teg- teg- the Tegra T1, is it, I think? Uh, something like that, yeah. 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 Where I wonder, old, old chip. Yes, very old chip. I think that was an old chip when, they, when it came out, right? It, it was, was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Old school when it was new school basically yeah pretty much and um i'm finding it interesting because i have like a i'm a pc gamer obviously steam deck basically okay that's not true i'm an everything gamer but uh i have like built my own pc and it's like at a point which might be due to the steam deck where it's like the only game i'm currently playing on it is like final fantasy 7 the the remake right. 
just because mm-hmm. I own it on there and it's such a pretty game that I want to play it on uh, the 4K television, which is behind sure. me. So if you watch YouTube, you've seen this. So basically this thing. And yeah. uh, besides that, like all the other games that I used to sit on my desk to play on the PC, I use the Steam Deck for. And so this makes yeah. me wonder if, and it probably is just like my own like tunnel vision, but that makes me wonder, right. is PC gaming kind of falling in a certain sense? But then on the other hand, you have like countries like Japan where PC gaming is going up like dramatically and mm. uh, Japan never has really been a PC heavy, PC gaming heavy country. It was always more like a console right. country. And um, I find it intriguing because the mix of everything becomes more ex- much more expensive because the 4090 is way more expensive. And everything needs more energy. Is that at a point where mm. people will say or have to say, okay, we will give us something else. And this is where the AM Neos, the Steam Decks, the GPDs, maybe the Logitechs and the Razors come in and hopefully yeah. the Nintendos come in and basically say, hey, you also can play your games using this thing and streaming. And yeah. then you just stream it from the clouds. This is like one... Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like it's it's there's going to be these people who absolutely want all of the power locally, and these are this that's who these things are for. But more and more people are just going to be happy with just streaming stuff. And um, the ownership model obviously is questionable, and a lot of people will have a hard time coming around to that. I think, but Game Pass is kind of nudging the, it's kind of moving the Overton window, isn't it, in the right direction to kind of this is the future that you're going to have in terms of your thing there's obviously concerns around game preservation and stuff when you get into that sort of stuff but that's a a whole other thing yeah that's true and also for someone like uh you just have to go to overkill and see all the guides are right there are a lot of guides where it's basically just like how to emulate stuff where it's like uh the only way to play games from our childhood is like to have Mm. to emulate them but what happens to these games if they're living on the server and then they Mm. do the stadia and just basically kill the servers and like where are the games Exactly. Yep. And that's like the one big question where I just hope, uh, because that's all we can do, where I just hope that companies, like like big companies that just say, okay, we will somehow release the games as soon as the servers get like killed. Yeah, in terms of some sort of kind of policy, in terms of their long-term sustainability and accessibility, is what you're saying? Yeah, let's say if the next Halo will be streaming only in Game Pass Mm. and you can't download it like not properly uh, it's, if they say okay nobody is playing halo anymore except like a few hundreds at a certain point where microsoft would just be please just be the good guy and say okay we will release it so that you can actually now download it to your machines and yeah. uh or like open source it in a way that other people can run their own servers and something like that that would that's the yeah. the future i hope for but knowing how this usually works. Yeah, it does It does kind of feel, doesn't it? Like we're at the sort of turning point in terms of games and their accessibility in a broader sense because obviously traditionally, you know, you just hold on to your cartridge and that's reserved essentially. Um, but in this digital future where games might not even get a physical release, I mean, there's, there's you know, there's hundreds and thousands of games that don't see physical releases. Um, what happens with them? I mean, yeah, long term. No- yeah, and I feel it's like a discussion that we currently have with gaming, but I don't really see the discussion with like TV shows or music 
there's not like mm. that you still can buy CDs and still can buy like Blu-rays or vinyl even. Yeah. And but it's not like as big as a question for a lot of people, I feel, or I am not in that niche that space yeah, in that yeah. space to to see mm. that. But I wonder if this might just happen to gaming too, that at a certain point a generation will come up and just say, like, I don't care as long as well, I, I play from start to finish and then I don't care anymore. Maybe it's a, ba- an, a question around kind of the barrier to entry with like TV and films, you know, where there's a much higher barrier to entry to get something on the silver screen or on, on streaming like Netflix or whatever. So the conversation around preservation is is one that's kind of off source to these big media giants, you know, like Warner Brothers has a warehouse full of old films, you know, and it's up to them to look after them. Whereas an indie game with a small studio of 10 people who's asking them who's got hold of it so there's a barrier to entry with tv which makes it a bit more kind of baked in the assumption that it's going to be saved i guess that's like asking you know it has every youtuber ever backed up all of their videos for eternity yeah. but we're going down a massive rabbit hole <laughs> yeah probably not if you de- depends on yeah. who you ask uh, i follow a yeah. few uh, tech youtubers uh, and there you have like the one side where they say like everything i've ever done is basically all the video on f- is on this yeah. uh, server cluster in my closet and they have like other people yeah i i just download the thing from youtube again if i need it yeah well you have the other question what if youtube just says uh, no more access for you uh, also yeah. i don't know if you're here the cat uh no more access for you so um well that's like the other question that's the whole preservation is um everything becomes more expensive but not available yep fun <laughs> fun uh last discussion point which is just something that uh to not go too deep into politics is that one big twitter twitter user a uh, big community member, big gaming community member, Nibble, Nibelian, I think that's how you pronounce it, left Twitter. Uh, for those who don't know who he was, he was basically a big source in on Twitter for gaming news. He also did round, um, recaps of gaming reviews. So basically, he was like one of the first that basically just told you what every website gave a game a review. And uh, also, he was a go-to source for events, basically, like covered the events, everything in like Twitter form. Everything happened on yeah. Twitter. And there have been like several instances, at least for me, where I read something on Twitter that Nibble posted where like, oh, this is a story that we should yeah. cover. And uh, yeah, we, we lost a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things um, where, you know, you, you amass this audience from being really, really valuable on Twitter um, through just kind of condensing the news of the day into kind of a pithy, kind of retweetable thing. And, you know, he was really quick at doing that. and getting across the key points in a way that was, you know, digestible. Um, and you do that long enough and you amass a following, but you burn out on it, I guess. And that's what's happened here. Um, obviously, there's, there's other reasons behind why he's left, but um, the, the kind of key of it is really you, you amass these audiences on these social sites and then you, you try and, you know, quite rightfully convert that into some sort of, you know, something that can sustain you because, you know, he's doing this on the, off the back of his free or whatever. And when it doesn't convert, it kind of send a message that's, you know, quite upsetting in that, um, you know, you've got this big audience, but they don't value you in a monetary sense for what you're doing. And that, that's kind of a harsh reality to face, I think, um, which is what he, he outlined on his, on his Twitter or, or Patreon or something. Like yeah. That. His last Patreon post basically saying that it was for a monetary reason in the sense of that he started the Patreon people. He did not get the financial output input. How 
some put uh, where um, he was happy enough. Response, but, yeah. yeah, the financial yeah. response where he could say, okay, uh, I can make a living out of this. And even though he had like nearly half million Twitter followers. Exactly. But yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's hard. The, the whole content, and I think probably we can sing stories about this both uh, yeah i mean it's, it's same with me i mean um i've been running the newsletter for five years and i've got like ten thousand subscribers on a good day and um i, I you know launched a patron for that thinking oh if even i get like one percent converting that would be great and it was like half of one percent and not even that and it's like it's tough to make money online especially you know um depending on what you're doing but you know people you do need to like support the things that you want to see in the world so um otherwise it's just everything's an ad, ad supported model but yeah um it, it it did kind of make me think about how him leaving twitter and the whole kind of thing with with elon musk over the past week or two um with him acquiring the service has kind of made me pause and reflect on kind of how i've been using it and um i've been on twitter for a long time i mean i signed up in 2007 when it was still like and you could still kind of do it via Wasn't sms that the founding year yeah i think that was like very very i think old. it was 06 maybe even 05 yeah. i'm not sure but yeah it was very early on there was you know it wasn't there wasn't a ton of users yet but um i've been on it for a long time um that's a scary amount of time and it's been a really important tool to me like both like in terms of making friends but also like professionally and making connections with people um in my niche and stuff so um i'd be very sad to see it go i don't think it's going anywhere but obviously its current ownership structure and the way it's been governed is problematic. So there's a lot of chat around like moving off service and things or just closing down completely like Nibble, Nibble has done. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's also how we I love, tw- I love Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I have uh, one of the first tabs I open on my browser in the morning. It's just like TweetDeck where I have like all these columns and just like looking at what happened in the world. It's very, yeah. for, for like, I feel like for journalists, which we are, it's a very good way to just like quickly get the news and to see, okay, what's just, going on. It's like... Just checking the pulse of the world. Exactly. You know? And what yeah. Nibble perfect would make, what Nibble has perfected was basically what every good Twitter user perfects in a certain sense is that like Twitter is basically writing a title. Uh, so mm. one tweet, especially when the character limit was like 140. And he was yeah. like, perfect at bringing just to the point what happened in this news or yeah. and this is something that was very very valuable and mm-hmm. this is why twitter is also a great tool but on the other side it's twitter we you just have to read some reports about twitter to know that twitter is also not a great tool and uh it's also how we met and i feel yeah. like currently you have a lot of people going to mastodon and uh or just like leaving twitter we are on mastodon yeah. overkill WTF is on Macedon uh, because, of course, we are. Uh, link in the show notes. Links in the show. Link in the show notes. And um, yeah, hoping that things don't change too much because otherwise, I will yeah. need a new news sources for a lot of things. A new web addiction. Yeah. A new web addiction, exactly. And but, I know, like people have like a lot of different experiences on Twitter, and I think you know, for the most part, I've had a really good experience on Twitter. I've not really ever had any abuse or anything like that. But I think, you know, as a, as a white cis male on Twitter, I generally don't get those sort of experiences. So I am, you know, sitting in a position of privilege in terms of how my web experience is compared to a lot of other people. So I, I, I do see there is problems for others. Yes. Uh, 
But video games. <laughs> video games. Not to stop with the gloomy moods. Uh, have you played something recently? Let's do this as like. Um, I finished uh, Tiny Kin on on Xbox Game Pass, and it was a delight. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, That's like Pikmin, like, right? Like yeah, comparable it's kind of like, to Pikmin. Have you ever seen? Have you? Yeah, it is. In terms of you have tiny minions kind of helping you out around tiny your kins? environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever seen? Um, ever seen the movie Honey I Shrunk the Kid? Yeah, like ages ago. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like an eternity ago. Nineties, maybe yeah, so. late eighties movie. Rick Moranis. Um, basically, yeah, it just, you get shrunk down to like the size of an ant, and you're going around a just a house. The environment is just a house. You so say you're in like the bathroom, you're in like the kitchen, you know, the bedroom, whatever, and you've just got to go around and do certain tasks. It's kind of like you know Banjo Kazooie, and there's like collectibles to do, and like certain objectives in the environment. But it's got really, really fluid um, movement. And the animation is really beautiful. And I just really had a good time with it. And even better, it was like four or five hours to complete. So I, I actually completed it. So, awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's on Game Pass and it's on Switch as well. I think other part. I think it's probably also on Steam. On every, it's probably every everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's probably everywhere, except on iPhone. Uh, for me, the last game I finished was Stray, which I finished on the PlayStation 5, even though that's I... That's the cat one, right? That's the cat one. Uh, yeah. I bought it on Steam to play it on the Steam Deck, saw it was in the PlayStation Now Plus Platinum Gold thingy, and still uh, don't know. Okay. And ended up playing it there and still not touching it on the Steam Deck. Uh, cute game. I think it's also like six-ish hours. Okay. Um, cool game. I think it was the first game of the studio, which is basically being founded by some former Ubisoft uh, Montpellier. So, south of right. France, I think. I, my geographics are bad. Um developers from Ubisoft Montpellier that then basically launched their own studio and uh, it's uh, you play a cat that's all they say and everything that a cat does and like you yeah. probably heard my cat uh, behind me everything that a cat does you can do in that game all the shit a cat does except literally that uh, <laughs> you can do in this game and it's a great game. It's really cool. The story is great. It's a cyberpunkish environment. So uh, cool game. That's like the one. And then obviously starting tomorrow, I will disappear, transform, disappear off the internet, off the internet tr transform into some goblin just sitting on the couch, <laughs> like sleeping on the couch, like or not sleeping at all, just like playing God of War, yeah. Ragnarok, Kratos mode enabled. Kratos <laughs> mode enabled. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. I think. That's it. I think that's it for the show. Thank you, everyone, yeah. for watching the very first or listening. I keep forgetting the cat is also like starting to. Uh, she heard. Like, Come on, wrap it up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stop it. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. We are on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically everywhere where you can listen. Overcast. To podcasts. Yeah, yeah, Overcast. Everything, everywhere. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Have a good night. And uh, good luck playing God of War Ragnarok. Bye. Bye.